Welcome to the Employment Law and HR Podcast with your host, Allison Colley. Hello and welcome to the Employment Law and HR Podcast. I'm your host, Alison Colley. Thank you very much for tuning in to this episode number 98 of the podcast. This episode of the podcast is part two of a mini-series on grievances. Those of you who listened to episode 97 will know that I started with an introduction to the grievance process and how you deal with grievances within the workplace. So this episode and the next two will be covering grievances. So without further ado, I'm going to get into this week's featured content. So as I said earlier, this is part two on grievances, so I'm getting straight into it. In the previous episode, I explained how to identify a grievance and the potential issues if you get it wrong when handling grievances raised by employees at work. So in this episode, I'm going to talk you through the process and what you need to be looking at when you do receive a grievance and you've identified it. What I would say to start with, and which I emphasised last time, is it's all about how you communicate. The key to resolving grievances and having a happy workforce is all about communication and you need to keep that in mind when you receive a grievance. How you approach the grievance from the outset will have a massive impact on how it turns out. Clearly, if the employee has raised a grievance, they have an issue with something at work. And whether you agree with that or not when you receive it, it is important that you handle it appropriately and objectively. I know it's hard, you may feel defensive, you may feel angry or upset, particularly if it's about you personally, but what you have to understand is you can't let that carry over into how you handle the grievance or how you handle the grievance process. So just keep that in mind at the outset, take a few deep breaths and refer to the relevant procedure and what you need to do and just follow it through. So once you've received the grievance, you need to assign a person to be the grievance manager or the grievance investigator, however you wish to call them. And that person should be somebody who preferably has not already been involved in the issues at hand. It certainly shouldn't be anybody who is a subject of the grievance. So for example, if the employee is raising a grievance about the behaviour of a manager or a colleague, then they shouldn't be involved in that. And it can, again, affect the impact on how the employee feels about your handling of the grievance if you get the wrong person as the investigator. So, yes, in a larger organisation, this is easy. You can usually find somebody who's not been involved with the relevant experience and seniority to deal with it. In a smaller organisation, it might be harder. And in those circumstances, you may consider that you would be best placed making the investment to get somebody external to deal with it for you. So you really need to apply your mind to the most appropriate person who's going to be able to deal with it in a fair manner. That person should also be experienced enough to be able to handle the investigation and to have seniority so that they can deal with it and make a decision or recommendation without having to defer to somebody else in the organisation. So really do consider them and what they can do and how they're going to cope with the investigation themselves. If the employee objects to the person that you've chosen to be the investigator and 
regardless of how you feel about it. So you might think, actually, they've got no reason to object to that person. They're just being difficult here. I would be inclined to keep that to yourself and assign somebody else if you have got somebody in the organisation. A lot of the time I talk to employers and managers and I say, really, you've just got to pick your battles. There's no point in arguing over it if you've got somebody else who can handle it. Of course, if you haven't and the employee is objecting to that person, then you might need to think about how you respond to the employee and to convince them of the appropriateness of that person. But really, don't get into a battle over it if there is somebody else you can assign. And really, in a grievance process, unlike in the disciplinary process, It's normally the job of the grievance investigator or the grievance manager to both investigate and to reach the outcome. So that's why I say the person should have sufficient seniority to be able to make a decision confidently without having to feel like they need to defer to somebody else more senior in the business. So once you've decided on who the investigator is, then you need to notify the employee of the investigator and At this stage, stage one, I would say that the employee who's raised the grievance should be invited to a meeting with the investigator and where possible this should take place within five working days of receipt of the grievance. Now this might not always be possible due to availability and in that case you should maintain regular contact with the employee. If they're at work then just having a word with them and letting them know what the progress is or if they're not at work and you need to write to them to tell them that you have a signed agreements investigator but they're not available for a couple of days for example and they'll be in touch. So wherever possible the grievance investigator should meet with the employee who's raised the grievance within five working days. At some point after receipt of the grievance and in the process of arranging the investigator and setting up the first meeting you might also want to decide the appropriateness of the relevant employees involved remaining in their posts or in situ. Wherever possible, the person who's raised the grievance should remain in their normal job role in the normal location without having to move them. But you might find that if there's a particularly contentious issue or allegations that have quite serious connotations, that you want to move somebody temporarily to just deflate or deflect the situation whilst the grievance investigation is ongoing. Now this should be used in rare cases and should be used as a last resort really to move somebody but you need to ensure that however you handle it that the persons involved aren't victimised or treated to their detriment in any way because they've raised a grievance. And as a very last resort, you might consider suspending somebody pending the outcome of the investigation. But hopefully that's not necessary and you'll be able to continue the investigation fairly quickly whilst everybody remains in their normal roles. I would also recommend that prior to the initial meeting with the employee, the investigator sets out a draft investigation plan So they have a look at what the grievance is and they decide on how they're going to investigate it. Now, the degree to which this is possible will depend on the amount of information and the scope and nature of the grievance itself. But if possible, have a draft investigation plan in place ready to discuss with the employee. And certainly the investigator should set out what questions and information they want to try to glean from the employee at that first meeting. Now, because of the timescales and the need to deal with things in a timely manner, 
it's not normally possible to do the investigation before the first meeting with the employee. And so the first meeting should be the opportunity to explore the grievance in more detail, find out exactly what the employee wants to achieve from the grievance and ascertain from them if they are in agreement with the plan, the investigation plan that you have, and if they have any details of anybody that they feel should be interviewed as part of the grievance process. The first meeting with the employee should then be adjourned and the employee should be informed of the timescale for how you're going to be dealing with the investigation. I should have said earlier on actually that when you're arranging the meeting with the employee, it's important to ensure that they have the right to be accompanied by a work colleague or trade union rep. They do have the right in law to do so if it's a grievance hearing. They don't have the right in law if it's a grievance investigation meeting. But my advice to you is to be safe and to allow them to be accompanied by a work colleague or trade union rep. And actually, if they want to be accompanied by somebody who isn't a work colleague or trade union rep, then I always say, if it's not prejudicial to the investigation and the person's going to behave appropriately in terms of confidentiality and their behaviour at the meeting, then why not let them bring somebody else? So if somebody says, I've got this grievance, I'm really stressed out about it, and I'm really worried about attending a meeting, and I'd really like to be accompanied by my husband or wife, for example, why would you say no? I would definitely say yes and let them bring somebody. It means that they're more comfortable and they'll be more relaxed, and also that you're being fair and reasonable to them and you're being as amenable as possible. So once you've had the initial meeting with the employee and have discussed the grievance in more detail, then you can really hone your investigation plan. It's important to have an idea about the scope of what you're going to be looking at, what the purpose of the investigation is, and also really the whens, the wheres and the hows. So when are you going to meet with people? Who are you going to meet with? Where are you going to meet with them? And how are you going to deal with it to reach your conclusions? There is really helpful guidance on the ACAS website, which I'll put a link to in the show notes on the website adviceforemployers.co.uk, where you'll be able to find details in the ACAS guidance on how to set up an investigation plan. And they've even got some template documents there. So if you find yourself in the situation where you're investigating a grievance, then I would suggest you have a look at that and help to shape your plan. When deciding on what you're going to investigate and the scope of your investigation, it's really important to have in mind that you have to look at it objectively. So don't make assumptions or reach a conclusion before you've undertaken the investigation. Don't unnecessarily or unreasonably limit the scope of your investigation because you think that the grievance has no substance to it, for example. Make sure that you act fairly and reasonably, because if you're questioned, the Employment Tribunal will look and see if you've acted within what's known as the band of reasonable responses. So have you behaved in a reasonable manner that you'd expect an employer to do so in these circumstances? So just keep that in mind when you're looking at your grievance investigation plan. And I know that we're all busy people, especially if it's your own business or you're a busy manager, You don't want to be spending lots of time unnecessarily interviewing people, wasting resources and and the time of others. But you have to show that you've looked into it in a fair way. And therefore, it's better to undertake a full and thorough investigation than to try to limit it unnecessarily. Now, I've talked about interviewing others and the scope of your investigation and how you're going to do that. And one thing that comes up very often is in relation to confidentiality. And this is something as the investigator you'll need to keep in mind. 
it's not always reasonable to share the full details of the grievance with somebody who's being interviewed as a witness, for example. You need to think very carefully to what degree you disclose the detail of the grievance or that you even disclose the name of the employee who's raised the grievance. Telling all and sundry about an employee's grievances may destroy their relationship in the future and may make it untenable for that employee to return to work, for example, or to continue to work there. So think about how much you're going to give the other employees in terms of the information in order to ask them questions and to get your responses from them as part of the investigation process. I would say that when you're considering the scope of your investigation, before you meet with the employee about their grievance, you should consider to what degree you're going to have to disclose information to witnesses and discuss that with the employee who's raised the grievance. So at that initial meeting with them, explain that you're going to have to give some information away to others in order to investigate it thoroughly and where possible get their permission to share if there's any evidence or information that is particularly sensitive, for example, but that you feel that you need to share. And make sure you document your reasonings behind that, because that's also important as part of the process. When you are interviewing other employees who are involved or who are witnesses, you need to reiterate confidentiality to them and explain that this is a confidential issue, that they should not discuss it with others, and that it could be a potentially a disciplinary matter if you find that they do, just so that they understand the severity of keeping things confidential. What you want to do is ensure that employees in your organisation feel that they can raise a grievance in a safe and confidential way without fear of everybody finding out about it. And it can have a massive impact if, for example, a witness then goes and starts talking on the shop floor to everybody about the grievance they've just been interviewed about. You may feel that it's necessary to redact some of the information when you're talking to witnesses so that could be that you've got a copy of a grievance statement and that you highlight only the points in it that are relevant for the particular witness so that you can't actually see the rest of it and if the grievance is about a manager or a colleague again you need to think very carefully the degree to which the accused if you like needs to know the details of the allegations or what they are accused of. The reason I say this is because sometimes employers can be confused between their obligations in a disciplinary process and their obligations in the grievance process. So the disciplinary process, the accused has the right to see all of the evidence that you have against them in relation to a discipline.